Welcome, everyone. We are back. Another very special guest, something close to my heart. It's the, the game of football, soccer, the man, the myth. It is uh, Spencer Owen. He is the founder, CEO, leader, whatever you want to call it. He does it all. Hashtag United Spencer. Thank you for being here. Cheers, Jeff, mate. How are you? I'm doing well. Before we dive in, I just got to thank our sponsor, Club GG, where you can play poker for free and create clubs as well as win hundreds of thousands of dollars in prizes monthly. So with that being said, I got to ask you about poker before we dive into all this stuff. That's our, that's our, you know, that's my generic background, Patrick Leonard, how I know of you. Uh, just tell me your poker background. Do you, are you, are you a professional semi-pro? What's your poker acumen? <laughs> I'm definitely not pro or even semi-pro. Uh, I've played a, a fair bit, you know, for fun. Um, I've won a tournament or two once in my time. Again, very low level stuff. Um, actually, we went to Vegas for my brother's stag do about seven years ago and i won a little tournament out there which helped with the spending money but again it was uh i was yeah it wasn't it wasn't particularly skill high skill level and then just yeah playing a little bit online here and there but my brother actually plays a bit more in fact it kind of links to youtube you know because i got good at the game fifa Mm -hmm. on an xbox that my brother won in a poker competition my brother won a university poker competition when he was at uni and i was at school and he left his Xbox that he won at home. And I started playing FIFA a bit more on that. And then I got decent, started making YouTube videos. That's the, that's the small version of the story. But yeah, it's all thanks to wow. poker. Very cool. Hey, that's a, that's a nice anecdote. I love that. And how, <laughs> how do you know, how do you, how did you get in touch with Patrick Leonard? What's the connection there? Well, so Patrick is a big, like, uh, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he's a big fan of like YouTube football, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, not just hashtag, but he's just got, he's actually got like an encyclopedic knowledge mm-hmm. of everything in the football YouTube scene. And uh, he kind of got in touch with us and, and sort of let us know about that. And obviously, we'd you know knew of Patrick uh, from outside. We never met him before. And then um, we went and met him. We met him. My, my brother and I met him, and we just was amazed by how much he knew about hashtag. To be honest, it was like you know we get these sort of super fan guys who know a lot of stuff. And I obviously know a fair bit, having been involved in it all. But Patrick was right up there with like everything he knew and every individual moments. So I was like, wow, this is really impressive. And uh, the sort of relationship grew from there and now to have them involved in, in the club is, is fantastic you know it's, it's helped us get to where we got to for sure that's awesome yeah i mean he's not a human being i'm convinced he's he just uh, how he does it his content his poker he's he's one of the most creative sharpest smartest most successful guys in, in poker and he loves football i actually used to be i didn't know that either that he used to play i think at a pretty high level like even in the youth system either man united or arsenal or somewhere big he was like you know at a high level so he definitely uh knows knows what he's talking about so very cool that's how i got again familiar through patrick and and have uh i know he's in he's involved with the project and and into it and i've gotten a little bit involved through him and just very excited to pick your brain so uh, i don't even know where to start because literally what you did is i think everyone's dream you're basically playing football manager like they you know at a high at the highest level starting from scratch some anyone can buy a team if you have money there's a price but you actually have built from the grassroots ground up could you maybe just tell me Talk me through the process of, of what's going on here. And obviously, congrats on the promotion, which is a big Thank deal. We'll, we'll cover that. You just yep. won the league officially for the, the to move up. And unlike the NFL, NBA, uh, Major League Soccer, you know, there's, there is other like the, the, the division below or the USL, these things. But there's not actually promotion relegation, which is amazing. I think that's like the, the coolest thing in sports. And we, we'll definitely dive into that. But just tell me how did Hashtag United start? Give me your sort of background and then I'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, thanks, mate. So I've been making YouTube videos for a long time. I, I made my first video in 2007, so you know, almost 16 years ago now. I think uh, even before that, I was making videos on a platform that, you know, pre-YouTube, Google Video it was called back then. Oh, wow. So, um, and that wasn't even to do with football. I, I wanted to be a stand-up comic. So I used to do, I actually used to do stand-up comedy when I was at university, and they were like sketches and skits and stuff like that. Uh, but after university, I I needed a job. Obviously, I started working in football almost accidentally. I love football, and my background, I'd be making football teams and stuff. Like I ran the university football team. I had a team before that at school that I ran, and I was the secretary of. So I was always very keen. But I never thought I'd work in football. If you'd asked me what my job would be, I would have said like a radio DJ or a stand-up comic or something. That was what I was trying to do. Right. But um, I ended up working for a football player called Vincent Company. He used to be the the Man City captain, he's now the manager of Burnley, just got promoted to the Premier League. And um, I worked with him in a social media capacity. And whilst I was doing that, I realized I'm spending so much time around football. Why don't I just start making YouTube videos about football rather than random stuff? (laughs) And that's when they started to take off. So that was around like 20, 
2011, 2012, when Man City first won the Premier League. And um, the video started to do well. And then I ended up uh, working at a YouTube channel called Copper 90, which is a big YouTube football channel. And I ended up playing a character who was like a comedy character who used to go and play. I don't know if you remember characters like Ali G, uh, oh, Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen, who does like, you know, Borat and all these guys. Yeah. He had like a character and he'd go and sort of wind people up. I was doing that, but through the game FIFA, which is obviously the, the soccer computer game. And I was pretty decent at it. And I would go and play celebrities or I would play football players or I'd play YouTubers. And if I won, I'd always be really obnoxious and try and be funny. And that was the character. But if I lost, I had to do stupid punishments and really crazy stuff. So it was a very popular <laughs> show. And then um, off the back of that, my YouTube channel started to grow. And I then did something called the Wembley Cup, which was a massive sort of once a year uh, YouTube football game of all the biggest YouTubers. It hadn't really been done before. The first one we did there is my most watched video, as you can see. It's uh, 20 million views it got. And that was behind closed doors at Wembley Stadium, which is like, you know, for those that don't know, the, the home of English football, the English national team. And um, it got bigger and bigger. By the time we did the third Wembley Cup, we had 34,000 people in the stadium. We had people like Steven Gerrard playing. You know, we had uh, huge, huge legends of football play. And they were amazing, but you couldn't do them every week. They're once a year, they had massive YouTubers playing. So I was like super into it. How can I do this more often? I had a YouTube channel that was growing. So I basically started filming me and my mates play football. Right. And this is like, you know, I'm like a, a college level footballer. You know, I was never going to get paid to play football. Right? College UK or college American? Let's, there's like, different. Well, it is different. You're right. I mean, I played, I didn't go to college in America. I wouldn't have played D1. Let's put it that way. Really? I, I, played, I, I think you'd be D1. surprised. I think I, I, we, we always say this, but yeah, I, I actually did play D1 college soccer. And I would imagine that you were probably... You could have been, um, you know, you might have been a starter at many. many well, who knows? Maybe. Oh, I mean, I played, it, it, I played there's a different universe. calibration. There, there is. But anyway, yeah. so you, you could play. You know how to play. Yeah. So we played uh, and my brother played, who's always been done this YouTube stuff with me. And um, his mates and my mates made a team. We called ourselves Hashtag United because, well, obviously we were being born on social media, right? And it was kind of like one of these joke sort of five aside, seven aside names you get. It was supposed to be tongue in cheek. Um, but also there was a sort of, there was a sort of uh, game plan there because we wanted to create a proper club. We wanted to create a team out of this. We knew there was a long-term play. And we thought, you know, how can we be different? And every, typically in England, every football team has a, you know, a place name in there, you know, like where you're from. And it's like, well, let's just mix it up a little bit and be a, have a name that it might even annoy some people because it's not traditional, but who cares? And so that was where we went with the name and it all kind of snowballed. To the point where after two years of doing that, we'd played in America, went on tour to New York and Atlanta, we played in Serbia, played in Spain, played in Ireland, played in Scotland, often in front of crowds, often often against huge names, again, huge legends. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd gained a fan base, which at the time, you know, we had more Twitter followers than a couple of Premier League teams. We had... Um, we had, uh, yeah, like, you know, more YouTube subscribers and YouTube views than, than most Premier League teams at that point. Yeah. So we were flying, but there was no future that we could, you know, we were getting older. I was getting into my early 30s at the time. My brother's friends were all in their mid-30s having kids. Yeah. So we couldn't do it forever. And they had this opportunity to enter what's called the non-league pyramid, which is like the lower levels of English football. Like English football is, I know you've got, excuse me, promotions and relegations all throughout Europe and stuff. I know you guys don't have it over there, but yeah. England's even stranger than like a France or a Spain or a Denmark because we have such a deep system and it's so much money, even low, low down the leagues. So we actually entered in the 10th tier. Right. And that was in 2018. And, and yeah, um, so I, I just put up on the screen. So just to, just to give people an idea, like this would be equivalent if the, there was like the NBA was the Premier League, then there'd be like G League. But even then, like the G League doesn't, they, we, people have suggested this, that there could be a G League, like a reg, relegation and, and this type of format. It's very hard to do. It just shows you how passionate, how big sport soccer or football is in UK, right? Because this is like, this is the, the sport. There's not, there's not all these other leagues of major league big things but so there's 10 tiers deep which is crazy yeah so, it's 11 yeah. tiers really 11 we, okay yeah and and the top five are all pretty much professional so like you have to be professional to be in the top four leagues the fifth tier is essentially professional now that's wrexham obviously the team that ryan uh, reynolds and rob McElhenney own uh, about to get promoted out of that most teams in tier six are professional to be honest even some in tier seven are professional really and, and um, what does that what does that mean because i want to understand so 
You just this is tier eight. You just moved in, correct? That's where you are now. This next season you'll be in eight, or you are next year we'll be in seven. We're going up. Okay, it's going up. Sorry, you just went. This is our. We just secured our third promotion in four years. So, um, we started in ten, one ten, one nine, and we've won eight, and now we're looking to go to seven. How un how uncanny is that? I mean, is that is that is this normal? Like, because there are teams. It's like you're so strong. It's obviously you're above where that is like is this is this has anyone ever just risen up like what's the most impressive rise ever is this it or is it well, hard to say for there's now? been some great rises before but from a completely scratch team i don't think anyone's done what we've done so the examples would be there's a team called afc wimbledon uh, that were founded off the back of um wimbledon was a team that were in the premier league and they won the fa cup and then they actually moved it's a very american thing it doesn't really happen in england they moved to another part of the country Okay. Pretty much the only time it's ever happened, actually. They moved to a place called Milton Keynes. And they became the MK Dons. And all the local fans in Wimbledon, which is in South London, hated that. So they started their own team from scratch. And they had to start at the bottom. So, But the difference is they had all the Wimbledon fans behind them. So they had money and they had things that other teams couldn't compete. So they ended up getting, uh, I think, as high as League One, if not the championship. Uh, I think they're in League One now. And uh, they did a similar... They did something like... I don't know what it was exactly, but it might have been something like eight promotions in 10 years. It was something crazy. Wow. Um, but they had a, a, a all, they already had a sort of, they were what's known as a Phoenix club, you know, that they had something they were being created from. Likewise, FC United of Manchester were created as a um, reaction to people not being happy with Man United. They jumped about four divisions, I think. They, they stagnated one level above what we're at now. And I think they're actually at the same level as us now. Um, so that wasn't quite as, as a meteoric rise. And then Salford City, you may have heard of like the class of 92, the Man United legends like Gary Neville and um, David Beckham's even in now, involved now. They bought a club that was around seventh, eighth tier, and they're now in League Two, which is the fourth tier. But they had a lot of money. Even Peter Liam, who's a billionaire that owns Valencia as well, he got involved. So the short answer is there has been rises from this level all the way into professional football before. Right. But no one that I know of has done it from scratch with no major support. You know, like before Patrick and, you know, a Chelsea uh, captain got involved a few years ago as well. He invested yeah. a little bit of money into the club. Um, it's literally a family made thing. Me, my brothers, my dad. And it's a completely new team. We didn't take over another team. Yeah. You know, we so, don't even have a ground. It's so, it's so, it's so cool. And how, um, and how did Cesar get involved? He was Chelsea's captain. And, and I think he, made, he still is, or he was for many years. And during this time, like how, how, how did that partnership come about? Yeah, he's a Champions League winner with Chelsea. You know, uh, he's a legend. Um, so again, it was actually through the game FIFA. He is actually very big fan of FIFA. He's a fan of esports, which is like mm -hmm. you know, the competitive gaming stuff. And that's something that's been synonymous with Hashtag as well. When we founded Hashtag, we were also a FIFA esports team. We've been probably the most successful FIFA esports team over the last six, seven years. We've, we've had players that have won the E Premier League twice now, uh, which is the you know, esports version of the Premier League. We've won a lot of other major events. And Cesar... I met him at a FIFA event. We got we got to know each other. He was very interested in the space. He was being approached as to whether to make his own team. And he sort of said to me, look, rather than make a team to compete with you guys, I'd love to get involved with you guys. And I was more than open to that. Um, and yeah, it's been amazing. That was quite early on. He actually got involved, I think, before we even went into non-league. So back in like 2018, we formed in 2016. So he was an early adopter, if you like. And then... Um, We've had a lot of offers, investment and things from companies that have very sort of profit based goals. Yeah. And whilst, you know, we, we're very successful in that regard, you know, for me, I've people I've wanted to let get involved so far have been people that I know believe in it for the right reasons. and want to create a sustainable football club and just love the idea of what we're doing rather than seeing dollar signs. Yeah. So um, we've brought the right people in at the right time and they've, they've always made us stronger. Very, very cool. You know, the, the, the name that comes to mind who I, I have a Twitch background stream very for many years, like a lot and Castro, right. What one Oh two one, who is, um, you know, I've, I've spoken with him a few times, nice guy, really built a brand for himself. Is this, is this going to become more common? Is this something where he would likely partner with a, a team or something, or maybe he started our own brand and, and also looking his, looking his, so looking his bio right now. So Castro is a good friend of mine. I actually was with him a few weeks ago. Okay. He's just got involved with a club called Dallas United. So there's a yeah. big tournament happening this summer in North Carolina. 
that hashtag are playing in. Oh, this Dallas is about, like the winner. There's like a, a pool, right? A pre-roll or something? Is that the million one? dollars? It's actually basically a poker tournament is what they're right. doing in terms of the way it's scheduled. So TST, the soccer tournament is what it stands for. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same guys that do something called TBT, which is a basketball tournament. Okay. Exact same premise. You buy your spot in the tournament, just like you might buy a spot in a poker table. Right. And you and the winner gets everything. There's no second place money. And that is a million dollar prize point, a wow. prize prize pot. So there's some huge teams playing this. Um, Clint Dempsey's got a team, obviously, ex-US legend. Um, a good friend of mine, Jimmy Conrad and Demarcus Beasley have put a team in there. The US women's team have got a team in there, which is fascinating. Obviously, a load of World Cup winners in there. Um, wow. Dallas is a newfound team. Wrexham, uh, Dortmund, um, oh, well, a huge yeah. German team. Big, big Wolves man. in yeah. the Premier League. Wow. Yeah, massive. And when is it? What are the dates of that? That is the first to the fourth of June in North Carolina, in Cary, North Carolina. It's going to be uh, televised as well. You'll go to um, that, right? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Hopefully, Ryan and Rob will be there from Rex as well. I'm going to go. I want to. I got to go. I heard Patrick told me about this about a year ago. That's uh, that sounds pretty epic. That's that's it. But like, would a guy like Castro is that something where would that be someone who would be a great partner? Or you said he's he's sort of partnered with this Dallas team. Is he? I mean, he's getting involved at a level like that. Yeah. So I've known Castro for about six years. Very very good guy. You know, massive as well as a good friend. I'm I'm always a big supporter of what he does because I think he's top notch and he's got a great heart as well. And um. I wanted to get him involved in hashtag years ago, to be honest with you. You know, we spoke yeah. about it a lot. It's very synonymous, but obviously the fact that he's over there in Texas is makes it a little bit more challenging. I think now he's had this opportunity to get involved with Dallas, which is where he lives and be a man on the ground. I think that he yeah. likes that. So I completely get it, but you know, we might play each other in, uh, in, in North Carolina. It could be hashtag versus uh, Dallas. And, you know, hopefully we win on the pitch, but if we don't, I'd love for, for Castro's team to get it because yeah, he's, he's a similar sort of background really. Who, who wins in their peak FIFA play? You or Castro then and now? Who wins? Peak? It's hard to say, you know. Now he kills me. I don't play anymore. You know, since I had a little boy, there's just no time in the day. And I've got too many other things. So now he, he just absolutely kills me. He'd probably okay. smash me. We've played a couple times. Um, you know, there's a mode in, in FIFA called Ultimate Team, which is like the, the very popular kind of version of the game. And I think any version of Ultimate Team, he probably beats me on. But back in the day... 2013 i beat the world champion oh wow i don't think he had that in his locker at any point in his FIFA career so i think prime spencer beats prime castro on what, a head-to-head mode I, you know my favorite is i used to play two-on-two fifa to me back like 10 years ago it was the most fun like to to work with a, someone to play maybe maybe in in uh north carolina we can get some some fifa going that i i love yeah. it as well i used to play same thing it was my only video game i really played but i'm I, it's like it's a very humbling experience just like you know rack racquetball or these things these games you feel good you're beating your buddies and you you, you <laughs> find someone you just can't win a point off of her that that really can humble you but yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a what what makes a great fifa player i mean is it just like any game the practice the intangibles but like what how, how do you think you were actually so good like what what other things is it, is knowing the game how important is that to understand well, you think, football you know, so, like, so I've, I've obviously been involved in esports for a long time now and I, I present a lot of the the major major fifa tournaments as well so i've seen it all and uh, we're talking about the highest level it's a lot of like other esports you know the the real uh skill set is for fifa it's not so much about reflexes like some of the shooting games and stuff because it's right. slightly slower but it is concentration like at that mm-hmm. level you know, you, you cannot take a split second decision and you can't you, you can't take too long on it. Right. And that's what separates the highest guys, I think. And then staying cool under pressure. My thing was always trash talk. Like that's essentially what I made a career out of. I would go and I wouldn't want to play you online. I want to sit in your room and I want to annoy the hell out of you. Right. And I want to, you know, I can talk very happily all day while I play, which some people they can't. They're just glued to the screen. And I'd get right in their face. So not an enjoyable person to play against. And that's why, for example, I beat the world champion, you know, and things like that. I I put all the little games I can play. Ultimately, I used to do the same thing in football as well. Like I would find ways of making myself better than my ability actually allowed me to be. So you have to look, you know, for little cheat codes, basically. It's, uh, it it is fascinating. It also sounds very similar to poker, live poker and online poker. I mean, you got guys the best in the world online, but you go, you know, and you go live and you got to put the chips in and it does matter, right? It's not, it's not like a, oh, wear glasses. And I mean, these, there are nuances and there is differences, right? It's probably similar. Yeah. The live or in a stadium or competing in a FIFA tournament versus being at home and, you know, kicked back and just whatever there, it is different. So that, that's, uh, well, that's, that's, that's the big sort of thing that happens in FIFA is, you know, you get good and you play for years and years at home 
And then once you get to a certain level, you have to start playing in events. And suddenly you're sitting on a stage and there's a thousand people in the crowd and there's millions of whatever, whoever's watching at home. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's a completely different experience to playing at home. And like, you know, they say the same with poker. You you don't have to think about bluffing or anything like that or not bluffing, you know, like body language and all these sorts of things when you're sitting at home with the computer screen in front of you. But as soon as you're around that table and you've got people looking at you, whether you're wearing glasses or not, it's a different level of competition. And yeah. I think some people are good at that bit. Some people aren't. For sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's super, super interesting. I, I mean, I, have, I literally have a thousand questions. I don't even know where to go. It's just so interesting to me. And you're seeing this become popular now. You know, I know, um, again, the, from the highest level, from Syria, top teams are, you know, being sold, the valuations in, in different leagues. You know, you see the in, in NFL, uh, the Washington getting sold for these valuations are pushing six billion. You know, what do you think hashtag United what is the ceiling on it? I mean, is the goal ultimately to make the premiership? Is this your like, this is your passion, your main thing? Is that a realistic goal in X amount of years? Or what do you give me a 2030 goal? What's like a realistic trajectory for hashtag, you know, because at some point, you're not just going to coast up every division and win everything. And even this, this one you just did was hard, right? To go from eight to seven, there's only one team promoted, yeah. which a lot of other leagues, there's top three. So you could argue, although next year's probably gonna be the teams will be better. The percentage chance of you know do you think it's realistic next year also to the could you finish okay, top so three? is that like real there is a playoff spot as well at our, at our level so there's two teams go up but one has to do it via playoff uh, so we, mm -hmm. we've avoided that obviously um yeah i mean we're about if we win tomorrow we get 100 points which has never been done at this level before and the fact that we only won the league the week before the end shows you how tough it was the second team you can see there afc sudbury they pushed us all the way they were 91 points they could finish on 94 which also been close to a record in the history so it's a really competitive league this year and we scored 101 goals as well which is pretty crazy over 37 games um so funnily enough the two teams that went up last year from this league uh, they're both in the playoffs to go up again wow. and they haven't changed their team massively so if and it's a big if in non-league because you don't necessarily have contracts on players or long contracts but if we can keep the same squad together i think it is definitely a top half team if not a playoff team in the league above. Now, I could be wrong, of course, and things could change and you could have yeah. injuries and players leave. But our goal is to be competitive, even without bringing anyone in next year. And then, you know, we have to look and see if we can do some business. But um, in terms of the long term 2030 goal or what have you. So it's all for me. It's about hashtag reaching our potential. Right. And so when we joined non-league, I had a, actually had a five year plan, which was to get to the league we've just got to. I wanted to do it in five years. Now, we've done it in four, technically, because even though it's been five years, two seasons were combined because of COVID. They didn't COVID, get finished. Yeah. Yep. So we've technically done three promotions in four years. So we're ahead of schedule. And the reason that I aimed for the league we're in now is because I know the level very well. I've been brought up around this level of football. And um, I knew we could do it. I knew our business model allowed for it. I knew that you know we had enough fans in the, in the crowd to be competitive, all these sorts of things. When you go beyond that into the National League and you're talking about staying in hotels overnight for games or... You know, in some cases having to fly to games, maybe the, the costs just spiral and you're talking about putting players on contracts. So for me, what we've done is we've done a reverse engineering of a football club. Like we've done the hardest bit, which is creating a brand that people care about all over the world. We have people that fly from, every week from America, from Australia, from Africa. You, you name it. We've had someone not only watch us from there, but actually physically fly to England to watch us. And um, that's hard to do. We've done the hard bit. The the easy, the the, the uh, more kind of classic football bit we still need to do is get our own ground, which we don't have still. We still rent other people's grounds. And we need to build that local community that actually supports it on match day that allows you to make more money. And that's and once we start doing that, and we have started that, I mean, we've got some of the biggest attendances in the league this year. Um, we, we will fly, I think, because it gives us the extra revenue model. But for me, it's about us not overreaching whilst we're in the sort of business model that we currently have being competitive at all times, making sure there's not a lot of football, as you'll know, uh, it doesn't make money. Football teams just generally don't make money. It's an easy way to lose money. Like, it's, it's never... similar to YouTube and Twitch, right? People always would ask me, oh, how much money do you make on Twitch? But it's, it's more than that, right? You're, you're, you're building something, you're getting exposure. There's other ways, advertisements, to, there's things to make money, but the actual process, right? It is hard because it's not, it's we're not the, a money yeah, maker. We're, we're the exception to the rule. So we are right. a profitable football club and that's because right. we have this crazy business model that other teams don't have. And that does get us some enemies because they're a bit jealous sometimes. We also yeah. have loads more costs though. It's worth saying like, 
none of our competitors have staff. We have like more than 10 full-time staff making content, you know, all this sort of things that we have offices yeah. we have to rent, the things that just don't exist for other teams. So it does sort of even itself out. But um, no, yeah. can we get to the Premier League? The answer is 100% yes. And the reason the answer is yes is because of the promotion system that exists. The reason we wanted to join non-league is because of that aspirational sort of dream of being yeah. able to go up the leagues and you've got things like the FA Cup as well which allow us you know we could play Man United next year if we go far enough in the FA Cup our women's team who are also very good they got to the fourth round of the FA Cup this year they could have played anyone in the whole of England football we could have played Chelsea Man City Arsenal any one of them they entered the same level as us but we got drawn against a team called Coventry instead and uh, it's just the luck of the draw so the difference is once you start getting to the National League and beyond, it's just the price. Unfortunately, as much as it is uh, horrible to think of, it just comes back to it comes down to money. If you've got enough money, we've got everything you need to build out a club that could be Premier League quality one day. You just have to have a certain amount of money. And you know what's amazing about hashtag is I've pretty much created it with a handful of people around me with no help apart from you know more recently when people like Patrick have got involved, but. Um, if you want to, like, even the Salford City guys I talked about, you got four or five Man United legends who bought a football team, but really they needed Peter Lim, the billionaire, to come and get involved to get into professional League Two football. You know, to get if you're talking about getting from the National League to the Premier League, let's say something like Wrexham might be their plan. You're looking at 100 million plus minimum, right? Now we've done all right out of YouTube. We haven't made that sort of money, yeah. so. <laughs> realistically, if we're ever going to get to the Prem, we need to get more people involved. We need to get right. more people and find a way of, of you know, personally, I'd always want to be involved in the club, but equally, if there's someone else or a group of people that can come in and help us reach the potential and I have to step aside a little bit or I have to reimagine my role at the club, that's fine with me as long as the club is thriving and staying true to our, our values, which, you know, would be a great opportunity for someone mm -hmm. that wants to have a piece of the English football pie in a, you know, without having to take over a club with a hundred years history and having a club that can be remolded. You know, the, the crazy thing about our club still, because there's a lot of rules about this in football, particularly in England, we're probably the only football team in England that can literally be molded into anything you want to be. Because if you go and buy Cardiff football club, you can't change that name. Like you can't call it, you know, Jeff FC. You can't do it. It's Cardiff. It's been called Cardiff for a hundred years. People at the FA probably want us to change that name, like to be honest. So they asked us to at one point. So yeah. if someone did, I'm not saying we need to or even want to, but what I'm saying is we're probably the only club in the English football system really that is completely open to opportunities right. and could be whatever we need to be as long as it's a good thing and we're, we're proud of it. So yeah, I mean, the future's bright. I've got some ideas. We're going to create a new plan this summer, obviously, with where we want to be in the next three to five years. But um, yeah, once if we were to get another promotion or two, it gets expensive real quick. And and give me give me an idea of how because this is it's fascinating to me as well. Like we're talking, okay, tier seven. You, you mentioned players and contracts, and you guys have a very strong team. Obviously, moving up, moving up, moving up. You know, not doing it again. But like. Give me a, a level. I mean, Premier League, okay, we see these contracts. Top guys are making this amount of money, even guys that don't play or, you know, at a, a, a 15th or 10th place team, you know, they can, the players are making, people are making real, Premier League, you're making NBA, NFL money, like big money, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. What is, and yeah. then give me a little, like, give me some way that the viewers at home would be able to understand, like, what we're talking, because championships still, very high level, right? Because some of the teams, they do get promoted up and down. And it's a big deal, though. I think they say it's like the most expensive game in sports, that playoff game. Top two yep. go up in this from tier two. that, And then there's a 14 playoff. And then the, the the semifinal, right? You go to the final. That game's worth like $200 million. I think that, you know, the guy at Brentford, uh, the owner, right, as well, uh, he, he did something similar where he he came up and he was a sports guy. Sports yeah, he's like a money guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's done that. worth, And it's worth like a couple hundred million. If I'm not mistaken, that that game or that promotion from here to here, what are some of the jumps along the way? Could you maybe explain like what money sort of how big the drops are throughout this and also what kind yeah, of so contract players get here? If, if you're a low level League Two player, you're making a living, but you're not making big money as a player. Really, You're not a school teacher as well, though. Right? No, you're going to be full time. Yeah. If, if, and that's kind of what we mean by pro football. So like all the tier five teams are pretty much pro as well. So most players at most tier five teams will be full-time professional footballers. But they won't be, you know, driving flash cars. 
they don't have that sort of money. Um, the jump up from tier five to tier four is interesting because you see, as, as that's where it's called EFL, which is the English Football League, and that's where the TV deals come in and things like this. So it, it's a bit of a, even though generally teams lose money, is the jump up from tier five to tier four, you it's, it's worth like an extra million a year based on the TV deal. So right. some teams actually can get promoted from tier five and have more money and in the level above, which it should work like that everywhere. But football doesn't work like that because people spend more than they get because they're so right. desperate to climb. So that's actually one of the only jumps in the English system where you actually are better off by going up. Um, and that's what Wrexham are about to do for Ryan and Rob. Uh, but as you get lower, so you look at our league, right? Tier eight. I mean, we're about to leave into tier seven. Players will be getting paid, but they'll be getting paid like hundred pounds a week, maybe 200 pounds a week. The, the most, exp the, the highest paid player in the league, I think this season, if rumours are to be, be believed, is, is on about £700 a week, right? Which is a lot and it's very unusual. But if you do the maths on that, you know, it's something like £35,000, £40,000 a year. You can live off that, but it's not, you know, and it's not necessarily on a contract, so they could just get dropped any minute. There's no stability, no safety for those players. We don't pay players like that. You know, despite our ability to, we've actually never been a highest spender in any league we've been in. Um, I think we're probably the fourth or fifth highest this year. And we've, we've obviously won the division. So we're, we're, we're doing better than we should be really financially, which is great. And that's because we don't believe in overspending. We believe in having a strong squad rather than paying silly money to players. But there's a chance you, there'll be one or two players in our league who won't be doing anything else but playing football and they'll be living off it. But most of them have other jobs. And that is why I actually believe this level of football is arguably the most challenging because you've got to think about it. Some of these guys might be not only working nine to fives, they might be doing physical labour jobs. Some right. of these guys might be on a, on a, on a, on a construction site all day. And they, and man, they have, have to leave. kids, they have kids as well. They got to play. They got to do this. That is, that is pretty daunting. What, what is your, you know, right now, if you don't like the team, you have the squad talented, winning best in the, the division. What is some of the, like realistically, I mean, are these guys could play on tier four five teams, three, or like, what is the actual, like kind of, you know, gap do you think in, in that? And cause maybe some people are just so, cause hashtag you said it's unique. Guys are like willing to play or play for less to be a part of this process and, you know, be involved, right? There is some calibration there. So what, what is it? Could someone be on a tier four team starting or five or, I mean, I think, are, I think what we excel at is um, we have players at either end of the spectrum in their career. We're a very good club for young players because we have a great platform and we have seen players play for professional teams off the back of playing for us. They get signed. Player called Scott Pollock, for example, who won our Academy series ended up playing in league one, which is the third tier for Northampton. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a lad right now who I think is destined for professional football. We've got another lad who left us a few months ago to go two tiers higher into the National League and is thriving. So we've got a lot of very good young players. And then the other end, we get players who at the end of their career who right. love the project. So we've got a player called Greg Halford. He played in the Premier League. Um, he played 40-odd times in the Premier League. He spent the rest of his career in the Championship and League One. So he is, you know, tried and tested top-tier footballer. Yep. Uh, we've got a player called Nathan Smith who won... League Two, which is the fourth tier. He got man of the match at Wembley in the EFL Trophy final. You know, he used to be the fastest defender on FIFA, which is pretty cool. Um, so we've got players that have played at the highest levels and dropping down. And we have players that could probably realistically push into the bottom areas of, of professional football. So that, like the fourth tier, like you mentioned, I think we've got a few players that are capable of it. Uh, we probably don't have a lot of players in their prime because... Well, we have a few, but generally, you know, if you're in your, you're going to play as high as you physically can. And we've always got one of the best teams in the league. So, for example, this year, we've won the eighth tier, but we're not an eighth tier team. Right. Our team is definitely a seventh tier team in quality. There's definitely teams in that level that we're, that we're better than. So it's just we've been able to put together a, a better team than the level should have, really, because of the project. So, yeah, I mean, that's the amazing thing about us. We've got players that genuinely have played at the highest level internationals. We've got quite a few guys that have international caps. Nathan Smith played twice for Jamaica. Uh, Tom Williams, who used to play for us, played twice for Cyprus. Another guy, Simon Petty, played twice for Montserrat. So we have got international players. Um, but again, the higher we go, the more that's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. It, it really is. It is exciting. And I mean, you must love what you do. Is there anything else you can imagine doing at this moment? Or do you see this? Because with this kind of where you're at, how fast it's growing, all the pro I'm sure it's like you look around, there's a uh, infinite things to do, right? You got your, I uh, think Alex, right? Who's your partner. You, she's been involved. You got your dad, 
brother people have been working in the club and are, are just it's like you know it's got to be so fun right to, to do this and is there what would you oh, be doing amazing. if you weren't doing this well i always say you know i talked about how i you know create football teams when i was a kid and all this sort of thing when i was like 20 if you'd asked me what my my dream job was i genuinely didn't know at that point yeah what i would have said to you is i'd have said look i don't know what i'm going to do but if i'm good at what i do and if i make money when i'm older i'll buy a football team that's what i would have said to you. have a career like traditional retire buy a football team to run for fun what i've managed to do is find a loophole where i'm running a football team in my actual career and that's i you know i couldn't think of something more fun to do to be honest you know it, it's stressful it's different we have a different model you know i'm not that that wealthy businessman who's retired and can just sort of throw money at the project it has to make financial sense every year which i wouldn't want to do it any other way but it does sometimes mean that we're we're fighting against teams that are just happy to lose money whereas yeah. we actually want to be have a good business model um and yeah you, you talk about like all my family and stuff involved my mum's involved as well both my brothers have been involved you know some of these we have like club legends even though we're a young team we have a hall of fame we have uh that our fans all vote for and stuff and like one of my my best mate who i've been friends with since i was seven years old you know he's a club legend now he didn't used to get in the school football team you know he, he's a he's an amateur footballer but because he played in that early version of the of the team and we used to have a lot of fun, score a lot of goals against, you know, not great teams. He's a club legend. He gets mentioned all the time. It, it, people know he works in a bank in England, but people know him for playing for Hashtag. And that's, that's what right. I love about this club is even though we've got big aspirations and we're trying to go a little bit more elite now, we have this really uh, crazy origin story that can't really be matched. And you add to that, you know, when COVID hit and, and uh, we couldn't play for a little bit, we got productive and we merged with the women's team. We merged with... Um, the best women's team in the county actually we merged with a youth team so now we have 600 players you know across uh, from five years old all the way up to adult football including uh you know sort of uh, older football for walking football we have disability football we have alzheimer's football you have like 40 you know, have, teams is that right or more Maybe yeah 45 i think teams 600 players boys and wow. girls our women's team are you know the best in the county they are hopefully about to go up to the third tier which means it will be an unprecedented double promotion and it will pretty much be the best season we could ever have even in the wow. future because the, the fact that both teams have gone up top of their league had to win their league to go up record points in the history of the club most goals scored history of the club best win percentage most clean sheets everything has been yeah. beaten and yeah. we're going to go up to two really good levels like we have to really enjoy this moment because i don't think we'll ever have it again it's it's pretty cool i mean one of my uh, some so i mean i it's, it seems to be, I got to ask about the Ted Lasso effect. And I want to know what you think of the show. I'm sure you've seen every episode and love it. Is it, is it as good as everyone loves it in America? It's like, you come, you know, I know they're on the cover of some FIFA stuff. They're in the game. Is that, is hashtag United? I want to ask you first Ted Lasso. And also could hash, do you see hashtag United being in a FIFA cover or in the game at some point? Is that, is that? Uh... We've been in the game. We've been in the game. So okay. our kits were in the game for four or five years. Um, you, you've, uh, and we've been in football manager. So you can, we were actually sponsored by, so this is the funny thing. Imagine me as a kid, I just played FIFA, played football manager. Yeah. And then suddenly I found myself, I was in the game as a commentator. My team was in the game. My football club was in football manager. You could actually play with them in football manager. You know, my team was sponsored by our old kits. I got football manager on the kit. They sponsored us for three years. Like, yeah. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. So, yes, I mean, and if we get to a League Two, then we're in the game every single year because that's how the game works right now, FIFA. Um, so it's very doable for us. It's kind of a target of ours. And then, yeah, like it, it, it sort of pinch yourself stuff. And the Ted Lasso thing. So it's not as big here. And I think part of the reason it's not as big is because I think I watched them and I, and I like the show and I love Jason Sudeikis and all the guys. And one of my friends is actually in it, Lloyd Griffith. He plays the the uh, English journalist is always asking questions. Oh, he was actually yeah. one of our first goalkeepers for hashtag. No way. Enough. He was in the, he but, was on the team. Yeah. He's a goalkeeper. Oh, he, wow. And he, uh, he, uh, in the early days and he yeah, is a, is a famous comedian in England and he's in Ted Lasso. But I think one of the big sort of selling points, if you like, of Ted Lasso in the States is how football or soccer as a, as a catalyst for the show is quite niche because it's not something that's been done over there. Whereas here we've got so many shows about football. Right. And, yeah, yeah. That's and what equally, my question was kind of. It's like yeah. it's less of a shock or less of like a. It, it's like okay, I've seen this is our thing, so we get it. Yeah. And like, but yeah, but but it is still popular to people. Like, it's to very most, popular. I just yeah. I, when I look at Ted Lasso, I have to, I have to like disable the part of my brain that's saying that's not how football works. That's not how football works. That's not how football because obviously it's a comedy and it's lighthearted like all these shows. So it's a lot of stuff that's just very unrealistic in it. But that's not the point. It's such a heartwarming 
you know, lovely show with great characters. And yeah, I mean, it's won a lot of awards, deservedly so in America. It's not quite had the same uh, reaction in England, but it's still very popular. Right. That's that's cool. Um, yeah, it's it is fun. It's it just seems like it seems like soccer or football, if you will, is growing just similar to poker too. Like it's just like the live event numbers are up, online numbers are up. I think you're seeing it now on ESPN. You know, they're showing Premier League games, they're showing Serie A, you know, on Paramount. These things are like people are buying packages, people are following the tables, people have heard of teams. You mentioned Dortmund, which no one would heard of, but you got Reina playing there or Pulsic at Chelsea, like people are sort of like alert and respecting, obviously, Messi, the World Cup, these type of legend, like a lot of stuff's happening where it's just becoming so there's been a lot. Mbappe, right? He goes to, to the, the Barclays or the centers and they're like celebrating people or know who soccer players are and 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 for in america and they they're like getting it they respect it more you know lebron and liverpool there's like a lot more collaborations it seems like the cool thing to do by a football team you know as roma freaking group who i know very well close friends that orala bulgaris bought a team in spain similar thing like that sort of like the brent you know brentford sort of model like Moneyball and moving up yeah. and doing so it seems to be kind of like the cool thing to do is buy a team and i i feel like the ted lasso did help a little bit or, or people yeah, in, America, in America, Ted Lasso yeah. has been amazing for, for yeah. football hundred percent. And I think that's great for us, you know, as an, as a result, because we need soccer and, and football to grow everywhere. And it's only a matter of time. I'm sure for yeah. America will, you know, win a world cup and, and whatnot. Once they take it up as a sport, I think the other thing we're seeing as well is with more things like the concussion protocol and stuff coming out for American football, parents are more uh, willing to let their children play soccer because it is so much safer ultimately um we've got our own problem in soccer with heading the ball and that's also coming out the game a little bit at youth level because there is some evidence that you know lots of continuous heading of the ball over a period of time can lead to significant issues in later life so that's gonna have some have to be addressed in football at some point but um undoubtedly uh it's growing massively in the states and it's growing across the world which you know it's nothing like it like at the world cup we just had you know i've been lucky enough to go to a lot of world cups and I was in Russia um, for 2018 World Cup for the whole month. And it's just like the one thing that soccer has over all the major American sports. And I'm wearing a Cubs, you know, baseball uh, hoodie right now. I actually played for the Cubs in this event last year and I got into baseball a little bit. But the one thing that soccer has over all those sports is it's just the globalness of it. And it's the fact that you can be at a World Cup and there could be someone from Africa, someone from South America, someone from multiple places in Europe, where, wherever. And football is just the... You can be in a country and just not speak the language and say Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo or pass them a football and you, you've made a friend. Yeah. And you just baseball, American football. I know they're trying to grow. And, and, I'm, and that's what I was part of with baseball last year. And it's fantastic to see. But right now, nothing that comes close to soccer with regards to the world's game and that, that unifying factor. And that's why I love it. And, and how, yeah, it's it's exactly, no, definitely the world sport. It's easy, something you can get. Yeah, you just have a ball, you can play. It's not like baseball and you need, you know, equipment. It doesn't really make sense. You can play one-on-one, you can juggle, you can pass. There's a lot of different different variations. Well, I think uh, that's a big part of it as well. I was actually thinking this yesterday. It's one of the sports with the least barrier to entry. You know, you look, there's a lot of sports. I read, you know, I was reading, uh, listening to an Audible uh, podcast by um, Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball, and he was talking about softball. And his daughter's playing softball and how expensive it is actually to get on like a softball traveling team, which then leads to you getting a college scholarship. And this is the same for a lot of American sports and even some of you know, worldwide sports, like things like tennis, golf. Some of them are so um, not only is you need a lot of equipment to play them. So it cuts out people of certain income. Uh, levels but a lot yeah. of them are very they have a lot of these etiquette rules that you know the lower working class don't feel comfortable in and I, I hate all that stuff and football is ultimately a working class sport that's what it's come from that's what the majority of, of professional footballers that's their background and I think yeah when you've got a sport that just needs a ball and you don't even have to own one it could be someone else's ball that's why you see people all over the world get addicted to it and play it because it, anyone can play yeah, that I'm having a, a bit of a throwback nostalgia to the those those blue predators there I, over that that was like in the late '90s, early 2000s. I was, I was when I was youth soccer growing up. That was my favorite exact one, yeah. the blue blue ones. I was on a blue team. What what is the what's got you got some markings on there? What are these specifically? Those are pretty well. These sweet. are they re-released these predators, so that's why I got them. They're so they're like newer versions of the old boot, but I've got them in hashtag colors because our kit is blue and yellow. Uh, if are, anyone releases a blue and yellow anything, I, I buy it just because it, it has to those be done. Are, those uh, are sweet. I've actually got some pretty cool. So up here, I've got, uh, as I mentioned, Cesar Azpilicueta obviously is part of the club. So these are his boots from the Europa League final. 
and the oh, names wow. of his names of his kids are uh, engraved on oh, either this. side. Wow. And up Sick. here I've got these are pretty cool. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I've got some hashtag United old school Copper Monday owls with oh, yellow wow. and blue uh coloring again i love memorabilia and stuff is that is that getting popular over there sports cards like i know there's now holland these other these the new mbappes oh, oh. whoa wow. yeah um sick. the cards i mean castro again talk about castro he's well into that he does a lot of streams where he'll open up these like packs Breaks. that have cost yeah. thousands and thousands of pounds mm -hmm. um that stuff's getting bigger i think as well like I, as a kid we always did like sticker albums over yep. here you know you buy the stickers um but yeah i mean I'm a sucker. I'm in a room right now that is just full of of memorabilia. I've got all my shirts on the wall from games I've played in and stuff. And you're a hoarder yeah. like me. I love. I'm a I love like I love. I got like this uh, custom chips from places I played in the world, made in this stuff. I love like shot glass. Yeah, I like that stuff too, man. It's all about memory, memory dividends. This is my and, England cap yeah. here, uh, technically. So when you play for England national team, you get a cap. You get an actual cap. Okay. They call it caps, but they give them a cap. So I've not played for England national team officially, but I played in a charity game. That okay. was a 50 year anniversary of England, Germany's World Cup final. So it had people that it had England and German internationals along with oh, wow. some special guests that were invited, of which I was one. That's and um, so I got given a cap. But that I'm is... going to tell my son that I played for England for real, obviously. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, yeah, so, that counts. And that, and that was that West Ham Stadium as well, um, which is the team I support. So that's pretty special. Yeah, that was, I was, we were talking before we hopped on here. That's sort of, you know, like I said, I haven't had a team in a long time, but about 15, 16 years ago, that was my team that I got to know because of uh, Iowa Consetti, one of my very close friends, grew up in the West Ham system, didn't make it to the next level. He played soccer with me at South Carolina, and then he was best mates with An Anton Ferdinand. And that, they had a crazy run back then, right? That was like Nigel Real Coker. Anton, they had you know a bunch of big names then, and they they were you know kind of were young, right? Like the eighteen, the yeah. young guys that came up, and they were had a pretty good run. But yeah, and Green Street Hooligans, pretty popular movie that that's that's West Ham United. And how, how yeah. accurate? How how much? How do you love that movie? Like it, or is it sort of like you know you're kind of eh, it's not really how it is. And it's I feel like Americans mention Green Street a lot more than we do in England. In England, is another film that came out before it called Football Factory, okay. which is very similar. I think Football Factory is a bit better and a bit more gritty but probably a bit more realistic Authentic, whereas green yeah. street is a bit more obviously got elijah wood in it and it's a bit more americanized from that showing things from his angle and stuff but um i mean the green street stuff's legit like you know it doesn't happen as much anymore with moved stadiums now as well and um football's become a lot more gentrified but um 100 like in the 70s and 80s football hooliganism was no joke um and west ham were kind of the, the top of that with regards to their their firms as they're called and the stuff that got involved in it is kind of a rep that West Ham struggle to shake sometimes. Um, when stuff goes down, we always seem to be involved in some capacity. So that's not my background, obviously. And it's like any, any team has, has its bad eggs and has these things that go down, but yeah. um, West Ham's got that, that history for sure. And, and tell me about how common is it? You mentioned, um, I think it was Valencia or some other team getting involved or buying other teams. What is, like how common is it if you own AS Roma, can you buy a piece of hash? Like where where's the cutoff on leagues and having ownership across different different countries, clubs? Like how does that work? And who So the rule involved? is that you're not allowed to have a majority interest in two clubs that can play each other. So for example, you see things like the City and the City group, they have teams in all these different continents. They have like a team in India, they have a team in China, they have a team in Australia, they have a team in New York, obviously New York City, as well as Man City. There's no competitions where those teams can play each other, uh, with the exception, technically, of the, the Club World Cup, which could happen, um, which they would allow. Um, there's a few loopholes. So RB Leipzig, i.e. Red Bull Leipzig. Now, RB, the Red Bull franchise, they've got RB Leipzig in Germany. They've got RB Salzburg in Austria. They've got New York Red Bulls, of course. Now, the reason rb leipzig are called rb leipzig and not red bull leipzig is you're not allowed to be called red bull leipzig in germany they don't allow brand names to be in names of clubs so their actual name is is rassenblau leipzig officially but they call themselves rb because it means it's like everyone thinks it's red bull and they put red bull on the shirt and they put red bull on the badge and it, it is red bull without it being red bull mm -hmm. now there was a there was an incident where both rb leipzig and rb salzburg were in the champions league one year and they got drawn in the same group and it was this big thing like, how can this be allowed? These are yeah, it's obviously they're trying to avoid like racketeering and you know two teams like what someone letting a 
a lead slip so the other team qualifies or whatever right and it was originally not allowed and then they reversed it and allowed it because uh, red bull managed to prove that the company red bull didn't have a controlling stake in in one of the clubs which i think they do but i don't know generally that stuff's not really allowed so yeah right. if you want to have a big network of clubs and there's a lot of them now brentford have got uh, a couple of clubs they're involved in you know the guy who owns nice is in france is trying to buy manchester united at the moment um you've got a multitude of, of these sort of network clubs happening but generally you can't have them in the same competition and if you're an individual you can't own more than 10 percent of the same club uh, or, or no not that's not sorry not the same club you can't own more than 10 percent of two teams that could play each other but it also if you're a player so for example cesar who plays for chelsea we could play chelsea in the fa cup in a matter of months it could happen and if cesar is one of our owners so you can see where there's a bit of a predicament there the rule on that is 10 percent so he could own up to 10% of hashtag and play against hashtag. But as soon as you own 11, it's not allowed. Interesting. And what do you mean? So just he like, he would either have to not play in the game or not be on Chelsea or, or give up a percentage or just, you, oh, can't, you think... can't actually own technically like 10 and, and compete. Like you have to be retired or something. Yeah. Well, when we just, we have to disclose our ownership and stuff, obviously to the league. So I think when yeah. we disclosed it, if we disclosed that he owned more than 10%, and they'd looked at it there would there would be a problem for the club and there'd have to be some sort of right i mean it could be it could be terrible it couldn't just it might not be as simple as cesar not being able to play it could be like that we get a points deduction or we right. get uh fine so you just don't want to be going anywhere near that that possibility right. Ma makes sense uh and and uh i actually gotta ask i know i know running real long time I, I know you're on a schedule and i appreciate the time i we could always do a part two you know i maybe we'll make it a podcast tradition every time you get the the club gets promoted we'll, we'll come on and, and do one that would be we'll have to do yeah. one in a few days then because we've got women hopefully on sunday but yeah. for sure for sure or we'll have some we'll do we'll definitely be doing more because there's a lot of a lot of excitement a lot of questions and and really is exciting to, to sweat along with um what about last year's fa cup so it was pretty epic right there was like a couple wins or pks like crazy could you tell me about what the fa cup means how big a deal that is and what 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 place or what round you got to last year and what that looks like coming up this year and what your expectations are yeah, the FA Cup's amazing. It's particularly for non-league clubs, the lower league clubs, that it's amazing because the prize money is significant. And if you can get far enough that you get on TV, it can literally pay for your, your whole budget that year. You know, low, lower levels, it really makes a difference. So our women had an unbelievable run this year. They got to the fourth round, which is a record, which is, again, they could have played any team in England, including the best teams in England. They just they got drawn against a slightly lower level team. Um, and that money is significant. And women's football is getting bigger. So to give you an example... So our FA Cup run this year made us about £28,000, right? If we'd got to the exact same round last year in women's football, we'd have got £1,000. So they times wow. it by 28. Um, wow. So a massive increase. But if you got to the same round in men's football, you're making about two hundred and eighty grand. So there's a still massive difference. Um, we didn't have a great FA Cup run in the men's this year. We won our first game 3-0. Then we, unfortunately, in the second game, we got a red card in the fourth minute and we ended up losing 3-2 against the team in the, in the division lower um, because we had 10 men for the whole game. But two years ago, first year we were in the FA Cup, we had an amazing run. Uh, we actually were put on BBC. And um, again, coming back to the name of the club, like for me, that's part of the genius of it um, is if you're a team called Hashtag United and you get to an interesting round, TV channels are going to want to put you on because the name, it sparks interest. It sparks conversation. If you're just called Brentwood Athletic and no one knows where that is, you're not going to have the same right. reputation. So that's why we got covered by the BBC and it was ma massive. It was during COVID. So the, the, the there was a limit on how many people could be in the ground. But we had like, we broke the record for the amount of people that watched a game at that level of the FA Cup by 10 times it by 10 wow. so fa cup is massive for us and we really hope next year we have a run in it not only because of the money it can bring in but it's just the best way to really grow the club in a short period of time because you can have real interest put on you you, know, you generally so the tier seven what we're going up to regularly someone from tier seven will get to a level in fa cup where they play like a premier league team or a championship team last year someone from tier eight played tottenham uh in the fa cup so how, how did that go for that team how big of a gap skill wise is that like a i mean is it is it like a a, a complete beat down or could they actually like keep it like three one four two or is it like not like eight oh kind of thing usually on that uh, it was game? five nil just checked it now it's five nil that game that was spurs against marine the club were called who ironically one of the only other clubs in the english league system whose name isn't about a place 
They're named after a hotel. Um, so they lost five nil, but Spurs didn't play their first team either. I mean, it's one of them. If 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 the, yeah. right. <laughs> if the higher up team played their best team and they were all fully motivated, they could kill you for sure. But the reality is this game particularly was played at Marines ground. So the, the quality of the pitch is lower. That's a massive equalizer in what the sort of football you can play is. Because uh, obviously these Premier League players are used to pristine pitches where you can every pass is perfect. Um and also, the other thing you've got to allow for is, let's say you're, you're Tier 8 playing Tier 1. For the Tier 1 boys, it's the least important game of their career. Because <laughs> yeah. they have got so many bigger games to play that season. Right. They, they don't want to get they, injured. They're looking at the field like, man, I don't want to, I just, I'm not going into the tackle. I'm, I'm, yeah, let's just, you know, we're here. We got to get through this round, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, you're never going to face their 100% ability on that day. On the converse side of that, the, the guys from Tier 8 are never going to play a bigger game. So you're getting the best version of them. 100. They'll do things in those games that you'll never see them do again for the rest of their career because they just have this FA Cup factor. We talk about it all the time in football. So it is a massive equaliser. And you do see shocks. That's the beauty of the FA Cup. We've got a name for it now. We call it the, the cup set, the cup upset or the giant killing. Like you do see teams. I mean, like South End, which is a town near where I grew up. They've famously beaten Man United, I think, on a couple of the, uh, of occasions and that's not even the biggest shock you know so that's what i love about the fa cup and some people argue the top tier teams don't care about it as much anymore they don't need the money because the big money's in the champions league and the premier league and it's they don't care about winning it as much so the shine has, has come off a little bit at the top level but for the lower level teams the fa cup is a lifeline it's mm -hmm. the most important day of the season every time you play in it so yeah for us, it's massive, and we hope to have a, a good run for both teams. How, how many teams are in that? Is it all to what tier does it go down to? So, I mean, is it literally like 500 teams enter and it go, it takes a year and it just kind of keeps going? What is that? So it's staggered, entry? it's staggered. So, like, the, the first round will just be teams from like the 10th and 9th tier, and then if you get through that, the eighth tier teams enter, and then if you get through that, the seventh tier. So, this is how long it is, right? So, the first round is called the extra preliminary round. We've played in that. Then you play, if you win that, you're in the preliminary round. If you win that, you go into the first qualifying round, second qualifying round, third qualifying round, fourth wow. qualifying round. So six games you've got to win to get to the first round. Wow. And in that first round is where the professional teams come in. So the League Two teams don't come into the first round. Premier League teams don't come in until the third round. So if you're starting at the bottom of the pyramid, to play wow. a Premier League team, you have to win eight games. Wow. You would have been the underdog in every single game. And you then have to get a good draw because you can still get to the third round and draw a team, you know, that's not a Premier League team. So there's good things about it. Though. Like if you're a lower league team and you draw Man United at Man United, they'll probably give you all the gate receipts and because that, that money, they might, they'll make a million quid maybe from that game in gate receipts, which won't mean much to Man United. But to the team from the eighth tier, that's paying for their club for the next five years. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah I mean, draw, luck of the draw. And, that, and how so third round, how many, if you get there, how many teams are left in the third round? Is it down to like 32 or 64? Um, or? I'm not sure if it's 32. I think it's still a bit more than that. I think it might be 64 because okay. it goes third round, fourth round, fifth round, quarterfinal, semifinal, final. So if you did the maths back on that, yeah. you can work it out. Okay. But yeah, third round's where everyone's entered in by then. No new teams come in after that. And, and I know we, we will wrap it up because I could keep you here forever. We'll do another one. Uh, independent, uh, Newcastle Independent which is Patrick Leonard, you know, his project. Is that very similar to Hashtag Unite? What level is that? What, where are they right now? And I think they've done pretty well in general from what, where they've started, but I don't really, is that, is that a different, is that in like the 10th or 9th or where, where or is that even just before that? How does that work? I need to check to be fair. I know they were in around the 11th tier, which is sort of doesn't really exist. It's like there's a 10th tier. Oh, there's an 11th tier. The 12th is where there's a, it's kind of like you don't get promoted from the, the 13th to the 12th. You have to like apply for it. And you have to be allowed in. So they're around there. There are quite a few divisions below us. There might be one higher than that now. But what I like about that project is, you know, with one or two exceptions, a lot of these YouTube teams that exist, um, they're very Southern in England. Like they're, and, and, uh, and, you know, there's, there's not, there's a lot of them around London. And obviously Newcastle is such a huge footballing town and city yeah. in a, a part of England. The culture is so strong. Newcastle United is such a big club for that reason. And um, they didn't have a lot of representation. So I love that Patrick's done that. And he's, you know, he's making something from where he's from. And I think the project there is strong because people in Newcastle, they're just built different. Like they love football, something else. And yeah, it's going to be really exciting to see what they do. And I think with Patrick as well, he's got so much interest in 
like the data side of football and like yeah. finding out how clubs in all these different countries are doing it and finding out the best way to uh to to win games ultimately that you know however he applies that whether it's with newcastle whether it's with hashtag whether it's in any other projects he has around europe and stuff um you know he's gonna be part of successful teams i'm confident because he really is a, a student of the game you know yeah good to have on your side not not someone you want to bet against and definitely uh, a value yeah, add yeah. and every which the way like i said i'm very happy he mentioned this to me i'm happy to be involved in a small capacity and sweat along because it is it is amazing to see the rise and be a part of it and, and again it's just it just seems like a, such a fun fun project so very very cool i do appreciate you coming on i thank you for the time again we'll have to uh we'll definitely have to run it back and hopefully i'll see you in north carolina if you get me a little more info on like where to stay what city it's in i would i would love yep. to go there. it just sounds like an absolute um you know uh what's the word uh like a Disney world for, for this type of stuff, right? Just all, all types of teams and, and, and people and interest and, and buzz, right? It'll be a fun, fun environment. And, and that is, uh, it, it gets crowned there. That's it. The winner, there'll be yeah, like a, a round and final and you know, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. The, the Disney element is real because you know, someone is little, well, one team is leaving with a million dollars, like whatever happens. So it's crazy, you know? And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's first, the first of June is the group stages. They finish on the second, quarterfinals semi-finals on the third and then the final is on the fourth of june carry north carolina definitely get yourself down there if you can um and uh it's gonna go off because there's some just massive names involved yeah it's i i, I was curious because is it have you ever heard of something like this and i know in esports it's similar right people buy in or there's free rolls and there's tournaments and in poker there's there's different sites like stake kings where you can sell piece of your action right like i if i play a 10k world series main event i can put up five thousand crowdfund it is that something where the team you said buys in is that something would that be in theory possible to let the fans or people buy a part of the the potential outcome like is that or, or would it, yeah. is it is there a barrier to entry or can if you have the money like poker you can play or is it like invite only and it costs this much this was a 32 team tournament so there was an element there was definitely hundreds of teams that applied and tried to buy right. a spot i know that maybe more um from tst's perspective so they had to be selective and who got a spot um, we were in as early adopters along with Clint Dempsey. Um, but then the, the big teams came in. We think it's going to get bigger and bigger as well. Like we think next year, I know there's been conversations with huge teams that want to see how it goes the first year, but probably we're getting on the second. So we want to put on a good show because I think it's a really fun thing to be involved in. In terms of football, like, I don't really know of anything like this that's been done before. Um, but I think it's really exciting. And, and I love the way different teams are coming at it. You know, some teams have got like charities behind them. Like, for example, the last TBT, the basketball version was won by a team called Autism Awareness. So okay. they were putting, you know, a really important conversation right in front of center of, of what they did and, and making money ultimately for autism charity. And then, you know, you get brands that want to do it and they'll sponsor a team. You get clubs. So like Cincinnati are involved. Um from the MLS, uh, no load of MLS teams. I, I forget them all, but quite a few MLS teams have put in teams of like legends or ex pros. One of the teams, I think, I think it's um, Charlotte. We're obviously very close there in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. They are. I know that if they win, the million dollars is going to the family of a one of their players who passed away, which I think oh, is wow. super cool. You know, an amazing thing to do. Yeah, you know, you've got teams like us. We're we're one of the only actual actual teams entering who actually play in the league every week. And, you know, we, we'd have a lot of uses for that money. It would genuinely help our real-life team, if you like, whereas a lot of other teams have been formed to try and win the money and help it have it as individuals or whatever, go towards an organisation. So, you obviously, you've got, West, you know, you've got, like, your Wolves and your Dortmunds and your, your big teams like Wrexham that are involved. They don't really need the million dollars, but they're doing it maybe more for publicity or for opportunities right. for their young players because some of their academy players are going out there. So... It's all very, very exciting. So, so as you understand content, engagement, fan base, would that be something you would be interested in? Like when you, so it's 200,000 to enter and hashtag is participating. Is that right? Well, no, it's not that much to enter at all. I think the first spots were going for about 10 grand. Oh, it's, it's 10,000 to enter. And then, yeah, but 10, it's, 000, it's, oh, so it's like sponsor money. There's sponsor money or money put up for the win. That's like, the yeah, idea. they'll get the money from uh, the teams are getting money. Some of them are paying it themselves. Obviously, there's a few other costs involved. Like, you've got to get out there, you've got to have hotels and things. But, um, yeah, and then it, every team is up to them how they disperse the money if they make it, you know, if they win it. But only one team gets it. Second place gets nothing. Let me ask you a hypothetical. In this 32 team, you mentioned someone, some family. Uh, as well, like there's a family. Hey, they get a million if they win, but 
they're in the tournament for 10 grand or whatever, and there's a prize pool, right? So they have EV, 32 divided by a million, right? It's only one winner, 32. Yeah. But it's obviously, it's not, every team's not even chance because there are, like you said, some big clubs, big names. It's like whatever. With that being said, do you think, would you personally represent hashtag or do you think any of these other clubs, would it be like a way to hedge and also for engagement? What if you let hashtag United fans buy a piece of the tournament, like say, hey, you can buy, you know, it's a million to first, there's 32 teams, you can buy $5 for a, so it's sort of like gambling, but they're buying, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a crapshoot, but it's, they're buying a no, piece of equity cool in the million. You think, cause then, cause now you could actually even limit it just to not, you know, there's like, you could say, hey, like we're gonna let you buy up to five pounds and it's a million to first, we're gonna sell 30 grand of tickets or 50 grand, right? So now you have, up to like a thousand people can buy five pounds worth of your share, which is only what, like, do you, is that something that would make sense for engagement? Does that interest you? Do you think it makes maybe some other clubs would want to do that? Is that legal? I, I would think it, why wouldn't it be? It's a tournament prize pool that you're selling an equity share stake on. Like if it was a reputable site, you know, like I said, stake Kings or something like, like that, would that make sense? Cause now you got, you might have a thousand people that have five pounds invested to, in the result, similar to Twitch. When people buy poker action, you know, if you're in the, the uh, 10k gg super millions and and you're a viewer at home on twitch watching and you have four dollars of the tournament the guy's all in ace king to queens and you're like sweating the result you know what i mean like you're a like part of it would that be something yeah, you'd be I, interested in i think it's a cool idea i think for us you know it, it depends on your situation as a club like if yeah you've got a team that you think has a chance or you can put together a team that has a chance but you're struggling to put together the the entry fee money then it's the perfect way to do it right especially if you've got a fan base that are keen on following you um you know for us we had the opportunity to get involved very early doors and, and it, it wasn't a too high a barrier to entry for us so it didn't really make sense to go down that route but we're really interested in crowdfunding in general it's something we've looked at you know we've got if we were to win the million dollars i already can tell you what the money would be used for and it would go towards us getting our own football ground right so that's something we've been looking to do for a long time and that's something where crowdsourcing could be really useful in the future as well like letting clubs letting fans have a piece of a, an actual football ground or or have a piece of the club which in, in, in turn gets the football ground what could would you be open to that as well like if one percent crowdfund is that even is that legal though could you two percent put up put the equity the, the current valuation say it's going to this and let, yeah, and let, yeah i know like green bay packers and nfl a lot of there are there are yeah. sites and companies uh that do stuff like that where the fans do have a piece so yeah, well, yeah we germany about, so, so germany famously have a 51 percent rule which is that fans have to own 51 percent of the football club oh, so wow. that's that that is a rule there um england doesn't have anything like that but we do have afc wimbledon who i mentioned who were a phoenix club they're a fan-owned club um you know you've got teams that regularly have done in non-league at least a team called south shields did it i think they put 10 or 20 percent of the club up to help the club kick on and they they sold those shares to the fans and they ended up getting promotion as a result you've actually had clubs in in the past that have been 100 percent fan owned and um they make all the decisions as well so they do it by committee which in my experience doesn't end well you know they're li literally letting the fans choose the team or sack the manager that you you want someone or a group of people in charge that do that in my experience but in terms of getting fans involved in football and letting them have a say in the big issues i'm all for that and it's yeah. something we're, we're looking at for sure what we can talk about that later it sounds like the socios the token i know alex dreyfus was poker background global poker league and then he went into this and it became very successful a fan engagement token where actually people can vote on you know i think like you said there's a certain cutoff right you're not voting on some things but do you want to choose the jersey design do you want to choose a question in a press conference like those type of things okay but yeah, yeah. when you start letting them the the inmates run the asylum it's uh it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a tricky tricky path but listen like i said man i appreciate the time i know you got to go thank you so much we really do appreciate it everyone give him a follow hashtag of course spencer owen on his socials the original content man in football fifa did it all and now he is he has taken hashtag united up the ranks women men's kids other thing 45 teams sick a ton of people ton of players and it's very fun to sweat, man. Congrats to you and congrats on the promotion. We'll be seeing more, speaking more. Appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, Jeff. Thanks for the support. Thanks, Spencer. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Another podcast. And of course, every week on the GG Super Millions, Tuesday, 2.45 p.m. Eastern. Thank you guys for watching. Really appreciate it. Leave the comments below and please give Hashtag United a follow and, and check it out. It's very fun rise to the top. And uh, yeah, again, thanks, Spencer, for the time. And we'll see you guys soon.